So Luke chapter 6 is where we're going to be. And uh, this sermon is going to be about judging others. So I told that to Pastor Gary this morning. He said I was appropriately dressed in all black. So he's, he's giving me his pastoral wisdom. And he said, so when you preach on judgment, you dress in, you know, in all black. And he said, when you preach on tithing, you wear something green. So he's just trying to, trying to get me ready. So I appreciate Pastor Gary for that. So Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 37. This is what God's word says. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your lap. For with the measure you used, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. <clears throat> Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's. Father God, uh, we need your help this morning. I pray that you would just open our eyes and our ears to the truth of Scripture. Um, our Savior speaking this morning. These are his words. And um, I pray that you would just correct us, teach us, reprove us, reprove us, rebuke us, um, and comfort us with, with the word of Scripture today for your glory and for our joy. In your name we pray, amen. All right. So uh, Luke 6 is where we're going to be. And we're talking about judgment. And I kind of I got to apologize to you guys because since I don't get to preach very much, I don't get to fill the pulpit a lot, you guys just get whatever I'm in. You know, like, so I'm, I'm not like working through, you know, scripture with you. But this is just what's been on my mind the last three weeks. So um, I do a Bible study with uh, some young boys in our church, Ben Elam and the Kirkendall boys in Rio. And so we meet, and, and this passage really stood out to me about three weeks ago when we were going through the Gospel of Luke. And then it also happened to be the, the passage that we were doing um, in Teen Kids this week. So I've, I've been looking at this, um, this passage for about three weeks now, and God's really been doing a lot in my heart through this passage. So that's what I want to share with you today. Now, the, the more time I've spent in this text, the more it's become timely to me. So I, I'm, I'm reading these words, and it seems like this is a very, um, even though it was said 2,000 years ago, that this is very important for us to hear today. And I know this isn't going to seem strange to you, the statement that I'm about to say. We lo- live in a judgmental world that doesn't know how to deal with sin rightly. Like, that, that probably doesn't strike you guys as strange, does it? Like, everywhere you look, you can see that the world is judgmental, so you can see it on Facebook and in politics or in your own family, and that the world has no idea how to deal with sin, right? So with, with people's personal sin, we see in the world that oftentimes they're completely overlooked, like they're not even acknowledged, or if they are acknowledged, we make a joke out of them, right? So like, let's not take it seriously. Oh yeah, that's a problem we have. We play it off as a joke. In some situations, sin is even celebrated, Right? People, people celebrate their sin or they, they want you to accept it too, okay? So we live in a world that is really judgmental 
and doesn't know how to deal with sin rightly. I know that's not surprising to you, but what may be surprising is these words are not written to the world. They're written to God's people. They're written to followers of Christ. So when Jesus is speaking here, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is addressing his people. And what Jesus is saying is that those same ugly things, a judgmental heart, wrong condemnation, okay, a lack of forgiveness, a not dealing with sin rightly can be found in my followers. And so that's what Jesus is addressing here in this passage. He's speaking to his followers and the two main things, or the two main points that he makes, um, the first one is in verse 37 through 38, that the way we treat others matters. So this is the, the, the first statement Jesus makes. Um, the way we judge others matters. The way we condemn others matters. The way we offer forgiveness to others matters. And the way we show generosity matters. That's the first things that he covers. And then the second thing that he covers in this text is in verses 41 through 42, the way we deal with the sin of others matters. Okay, so well, both our sin and other sin. So the way we handle it matters. So those are the two things we're going to be looking at today. First, let's look at the way that, that we as Christians should treat others. Let's read verses 37 and 38 again. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So Jesus starts out by saying, judge not lest you be judged, all right? And if there's one verse that the world knows, it's that verse, right? Like they've got it down because they, they, they read that verse or they hear that verse and think, man, I can do whatever I want and nobody can criticize or say anything about it, right? Like it's licensed to sin. I can live however I want, do whatever I want, and no one has the right to speak into my life, all right? No one's allowed to make any kind of judgments. That's what Jesus just said. Is that what Jesus is saying? No, no. We, we, you cannot live without making judgments, right? Constantly, all throughout your day, you've, you've probably made a thousand judgments today without, without even thinking about it. Right now, I hope you're judging on whether this is right or wrong. Like you're hearing the words and you're, you're making judgments on whether it's true or not, okay? So we judge what's good and bad or right and wrong or safe or evil all the time. And so um, that, that's how we all live, especially in the life of Christians, we're actually commanded to, to judge. In um, John 7, 24, we're told not to judge by appearances, but to judge with right judgment. In Proverbs 31, 9, we're told to judge righteously and defend the rights of the poor and needy. In Leviticus 19, 15, we're told to judge our neighbors in righteousness. In 1 John 4, 1, we're told to test the spirits and discern whether or not they are from God. So, we must make judgments. And Jesus isn't saying, um, so he's not saying judge not as that we should never make judgments. He's saying judge rightly. That's what this passage is saying because this passage, the context of it, it's actually how to make right judgments and how to make right condemnation. So that's what Jesus is, is handling here. The way we treat others matters. And he lists four areas. So our judgment against others matters. Our condemnation against others matters. The forgiveness we show to other people matters. And then the, the generosity towards others matters. So these are the four areas that Jesus points out. And then he tells us, he says something kind of scary. The measure of all these things, so the judgment, the forgiveness, the, um, the condemnation, the generosity, the measure of all these things will be measured back to you. And so what, what, what that's saying is, um, 
God has the right, if he so chooses, to judge us by our own standard, right? To look at us in the, the way we treat others, the, what we're doing to other people, the judgments we're casting, the forgiveness thing we're offering. He has the right, if he wants to, to, to take the measure we use of those to other people and hold us up against that. That sounds scary to me. Anybody else? Like I read that and that's what caught my attention a few weeks ago. Man, and, and I, I felt real conviction about the way I treat others. In Matthew 18, 23 through 35, there's a, a great parable that really gives life to, to what Jesus said. So let's look at that. This is the parable of the unforgiving servant. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servant. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, a whole bunch of money. And since he could not pay his master, he ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But then the same servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, barely anything. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. And he went and had him put in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported it to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all of the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So in this parable, we see this man who's got this massive debt, right? And when it's him who's got the problem, when he's the one in trouble, he wants grace and mercy, right? Isn't that how we are? Like when, when I've done wrong, I want grace and mercy. And so he falls down on his knees and he's pleading, you know, have mercy, okay, I'll just give me time. And the master is so generous, so kind, so forgiving, and he wipes the debt away, right? He, he clears the guy and says, hey, you can, you can leave free. I'll wipe the debt away. What a blessed man to, to know such forgiveness. How fortunate this guy is to be freed from this burden. But then when he comes across someone who's wronged him, he forgets all he knows of grace. And he forgets what forgiveness is. He was forgiven of so much and he had none in himself. He was given loads of grace by the master, but he's gonna make sure that whoever is wrong, him pays for everything they've done. He's got a hard heart that's filled with judgment and condemnation. And he wouldn't let the, go, uh, the man go until he paid. In the end, the master calls back this unforgiving servant and he, and he uses the measure of what this guy has done to, to judge him. He, he condemns himself by his own actions. And in the end, the master deals just as ruthlessly with this man as he's dealt with others. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Um, man, that, it's, it's good and right sometimes for God's word to strike some fear into us. Are you a person who's, who's big on justice but really stingy with grace? You know, like you use, use like a little 
little teaspoon to measure grace out to other people, but you want a whole dump truck for yourself. Be careful because God has every right to use your own standard against you. Many of us would dread the thought of that, right? The, the way we've treated others, the amount of judgment that's coming out of it, we would hate to, to be treated that way. We have to be careful that we don't have the heart of this unforgiving servant. Instead, we, we ought to have, aim to have the heart of our master, right? This heart that, that's full of grace and compassion and forgiveness. As Christians, we ought to aim to, to treat others as God has treated us in Christ. How has God dealt with this? Romans 5.8 says this, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God shows this massive, beautiful, wonderful amount of love to us. Not when we're at our best, right? Like not when everything's, not when we're, we're cleaned up and everything looks good and we're righteous and we're right with God. He shows it while we're sinners, okay? When, when, we're, when we're broken, when we're busted up, when things are messed up, when we're guilty, that's when he shows grace to us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us while we're unlovely and he forgives while we're guilty. And we need to make it our aim to treat others how we've been treated. So that's, that's the first thing that Jesus says to his people. He says, the way you treat others matters. It really does. The, the way you, you show forgiveness matters, the way you condemn, the way you judge, and the way you're generous. They really matter to me. That's the first thing he says. But even though we should be gracious and loving and forgiving towards sinners, Jesus says, in no way should we be soft towards sin. So his next point is, how we deal with sin, both in ourselves and in others, matters to him. Verse 41 and 42. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself don't see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. So here we see Jesus using this really, really ridiculous illustration, right? Like he's, he's, he's being humorous and he comes up with this picture to show us how foolish hypocrisy looks, right? When we've got big, massive problems in our own life and we're nitpicking at others. So Grandma Bonnie, can you stand up real quick? So, all right, so, so here's the illustration. All right, so let's say that that Grandma Bonnie's got a speck in her eye, right? So can you guys see the speck from where you're at? No, there, like there's no way, okay? Can I see it from where I'm at? No, not yet, not yet. Now I can, all right? The, the point Jesus is making is, like if you're getting that up close and personal to someone, like you're, you're, you're looking a little too close into someone's right, life, right? You're being a little too critical if you have to get that close. So, the, and this is the, the foolish illustration. So like, let's say this is my problem. So I've got this big plank. Now, wouldn't it be crazy? So she's got a little splinter in her eye. And I'm like, Bonnie, you have such a big problem. Like, I mean, like, it's, can I get it? It's right there in your eye. I mean, it's like this big thing. You need to deal with that. Like, don't you understand you have a big problem? Okay, like, what's ridiculous about that? Who's got the bigger problem? I do, right? Okay, you can have a seat. If I want to help her, Jesus says, you got to remove your problem so you can deal with the problem of others. So he uses this to illustrate that his followers must deal with their own junk first. That's what he's calling his people to do. 
He wants them to, to deal with the log or the sin that's in their own, own life first. And it's really, really funny, okay, when it's, when it's a speck and a log, but it's not so funny when it's my sin and the sin of others, right? It becomes a lot less humorous when, when that's the case. And, and let's be honest, each one of us is professional, a professional at spotting sin, right? Like we can, we can spot imperfections in someone else from a mile away. We've done it our whole lives, right? It starts when you're kids. Man, my kids are great at this, right? So one of, they get in a fight and whoever gets to me first, you know, so honey runs up to me and she's gonna tell me something. Okay, what's the first word out of her mouth? Rio. Like it's, like because he's the one with the problem, right? So Rio did this, Rio said that, da, 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 da. And, so, and if I let her, she'd go on for 20 minutes saying it. Da, 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 da. She, like she knows every motive, she knows every twisted thing he was thinking. She knows the intent of his heart. Like she's got it all figured out and she lays it. And then I can say, and did you do anything wrong? And she's like, well, I, I, and she like whispers her, so let's get it out here real quick, okay? So, and, and that's how it is, right? And as adults, we're not much better, right? We, we, we are so focused on everyone else's problems and we, we don't take time to look at our own. All right, and, and let me just say this. It's not hard to find problems in others, right? We're all messed up. We're all sinners. If you look at anyone's life for any amount of time, you're gonna find something broken, right? Billy Graham. If you follow him around for a day, will you see sin? Yes. And he's a, he's a godly man. He, he loves Jesus. Well, I guess he's passed away now, but you know, like, if you look at anyone's, anyone's life with such scrutiny, you will find sin. It's gonna happen. And so Jesus is saying, instead of being so critical of others, be critical of yourself. Man, wouldn't that make so much difference? If, if we cared about others' sin to the same degree, that, or if we would care about our own sin to the same degree that we care about others, if instead of nitpicking and looking at every broken detail of others, we'd flip that around and we wouldn't be okay with any sin whatsoever in our life, wouldn't that make a huge difference? And so that's what Jesus is saying. Deal with your own problems first, okay? Don't, don't walk around like this guy. Like, like nobody wants to be this guy, right? You look like a fool. Don't be that guy. Deal with your own sin first. And then, and then you will be able to help others. That's what verse 42 says. Dealing with our own sin allows us to help others. So why does Jesus want us to deal with our own sin first? There, there's, there's a few things it actually does inside of you. So dealing with your own sin first will lead to compassion and sympathy for other sinners. So like if, if I've got brokenness in my life and I have to go to God for it, right? If I have to deal with my sin, I'm gonna get down on my knees and I'm gonna ask for grace. I'm gonna ask for patience and mercy. God, please help me with this. You know, give, give me grace. Okay, and then when I go to someone else, I'm not gonna come as a judge. I'm gonna come as a fellow sinner, right? I was just standing before the judge and I'm not him. I, I had to be on my knees and I had to plead for mercy. So it takes me out of the seat of judge and it puts me in the place of sinner. And so then when I come to the other person to talk about sin, it's not me against you. It's not I'm the judge and you're the guilty one. It's, hey, we're both broken. He's the judge. That's, that's who wanna, we, we wanna be in line with him. Hey, let's ask for grace together. And so that, that's what Jesus is saying, that, that if you, when we deal with our sin first, um, it causes us to have compassion on the people we intend to deal with. Number two, when we deal with our own sin first, it reminds us of the goodness of the gospel. So for, for believers, we have something to do with sin, right? 
Both our sin and, and when people sin against us, the cross covers it. So that when, when I'm dealing with my sin first, I'm taking it to the cross where Jesus has paid for. You know, it's, it's dealt with. His blood covers it. So then when, when I approach someone, I've got the gospel in mind, right? And I, and I come with the good news that, hey, we can do something with this sin. I don't have to make you pay for it. I don't have to make you pay for it. Jesus paid for it. We, he's covered it. That's good news. Let's enjoy that together. So that, that's the, the, the first two things. It, it gives us compassion towards others. And then we go and um, it reminds us of the goodness of the gospel. Number three, um, it allows us to help others and not harm them. So when, when we deal with our own sin first, it puts us in, in a position to help someone instead of hurting them. So the, the illustration that Jesus uses here with, with the speck of the eye, he's, he's really using an illustration of eye surgery, right? So you, you do not want this guy doing eye surgery on you, right? You don't want him reaching out and trying to get something out of your eye because he's not qualified. He can't see what he's doing. So Jesus used this illustration to say, hey, eye surgery is a big deal. Like you have to be delicate. You have to pay attention to what you're doing. You have to be precise. You have to have a plan. You have to be careful. When you're dealing with someone's heart, you have to be too. You can't go in there careless and reckless. Okay, you're, you're doing surgery. You're, you're wanting to leave them in a better position than they came in. Like that's why we have surgery, right? We, we have surgery to get problems fixed. And when we leave the doctor's office, we want to be in better condition than we went in the doctor's office. And so when you're dealing with brokenness in people's hearts, you want to leave them in a better condition than when you got there. And to do that, you've got to be careful. The, the flip side of that is a lot of times we're not. Instead of being careful, we're pretty careless. And, and we treat it more like demolition than surgery, right? You know, those, are pre, those are two pretty big differences, right? Like in demolition, you could, care le- you could care less what gets knocked over, right? You got your sledgehammer. Have you guys ever done demolition? Like you're, you, just, you don't care what gets broken or hit. You're, you're, just, you know, you're, you're not even aiming for anything. You're swinging and whatever gets broken, it's fine because your intent is to destroy. How many times do we approach people's sin like that? Like we, man, I, we're not being careful. We just want to make sure that they pay for what they did. And so we don't weigh our words or our actions. We just go in and harm is our goal. And so Jesus is saying that dealing with sin is way more like surgery than demolition. We need to be careful with how we deal with other sins. We need to have a strategy and a plan. We need to come with love. Husbands, how, how do you deal with the, wives of your, or the, the sins of your wives? Like, is it more like surgery? Are you careful? You like, you think about those words before they come out? Do you weigh them? Because you, you have potential to harm or to help, okay, to bring healing or destroy. And, and if, you, if you just go address it, you're going to destroy. You've, you've got to deal with your own problems first, right? That's what Jesus is saying. Okay, wives, how, how do you approach your husband? Are you just going to let him have it? Like, it? like, it's just coming. Destruction. You know, that's what we're going for, demolition. And you're just going to get it. Okay, and you, everybody else better get out of my, okay, that's not how we're to deal with things. We need to deal with our own sin first. So that's what Jesus is saying. Our, our words have the power to do, word, or to do both. Um, it, as we end, end here, the, the, it's, it's kind of weird. The passage just like cuts like that, right? So, hey, you, you, can, you have the power to help or destroy, okay? Deal with your own sin first, boom. End, end of our verse. But, but how I want to end here is two things. First, I want to 
illustrate what maybe doing this rightly looks like. Because can we all agree we need to work on this? I mean, man, I know I do how we deal with the sin of others. So first, I want to illustrate that. And then um, second, I want to remind us of, of the forgiveness and grace that's offered at the cross. So first, here are three quick illustrations of how we ought to um, deal with others kindly when, when we're dealing with their sin. So the first one is um, if you're a parent and you're dealing with the sin of your child, okay? Are you going to have opportunity to deal with the sin of your child? Yes, like 10 billion times a day, sometimes it feels like, okay? In fact, outside of yourself, your child is probably the person's sin you'll get to deal with most, right? And so when, when you're dealing with the sin of your child, how do we go about that, okay? So let's say that, that Rio, Rio's my son, he's got some anger in his heart, right? That happens to all of us, okay? If I have anger and pride and selfishness in my heart, Am I in any way ready to deal with his problem? No. I think this is what we got again, right? I have, to, I have to deal with mine first before I'm qualified to help him with his, okay? Does that, because I'm unqualified and there's pride and anger and selfishness in my heart, does that mean I just let it go? No, I love my son. I gotta deal with his problem, right? That's what a good father does, okay? So this passage isn't saying, well, you're unqualified, you're in sin, just leave it alone. No, Jesus is saying, deal with yours, then deal with theirs, okay? There's things at stake here. So I've gotta deal with my sin first. I gotta go get on my knees. I gotta cry out to God and I gotta repent of my anger, my pride and my selfishness. And then when my heart's right, I go talk to my son, okay? If I don't, how are things gonna go? You guys know how they're gonna go because you've done it, right? So if I don't deal with my anger, I'm going to come scream at him. I'm going to yell. I'm going to be physical. And, and I'm not offering any help to actually deal with the brokenness in his heart. If I deal with my brokenness first and then I go talk to him, it's, it's not me against you. It's, buddy, we're on the same. I just had anger in my heart too. I, I took it to God. I took it to the cross. So here's the deal, man. Like we, we, we're on the same page. This anger is bad for you and I. Let's deal with it. Okay, Not, like which one of those better? You deal with mine first, right? It puts me in a position to help my son and not harm him. We can actually get to the root of his sin and instead of me just screaming at him. And, you know, and, and it's really funny because how many of you guys have this happen? Like your, your kids, you know, they've got anger in their heart and you're like, you've got anger in your heart. Don't you say what's the matter? Like, and then you're like, oh, wait a second. Like you do too. Like, it's like, it becomes really obvious really quick. You're like, oh man, we're both messed up, you know? So I think that that's what we ought to do is we have to deal with our own problem first. Um, A a second way that this passage can impact how we deal with others. When we deal with the sin of a fellow believer, okay? So when you deal with the sin of a fellow believer, you got to go with the gospel. Because here's, here's the truth. If they're saved, if they put their faith in Christ, okay, and you have to, you've both embraced the reality of the cross, right? And that says that Christ has covered all sin for the believer. And so when I go talk to a fellow believer about sin, I've, I've got to understand there's nothing that the cross hasn't already covered for them and for me. Like it's paid for, it's dealt with. And so when, when I go talk to him, I, I approach it differently. We, we, we can, yes, we can talk about the sin. We, let, let's give five or 10 minutes talking about the sin and how we wronged one another. Let's give an hour to talking about the cross. Like, let's give way more time to focusing on the forgiveness that was offered through our Savior because that's the reality for both of us. And I don't have to make them pay for it. They're forgiven, I'm forgiven. Let's embrace the cross together and celebrate what Christ has done. 
The last one, and this one is honestly the hardest for all of us, I think, uh, dealing with the sin of lost people. Um, man, and, and, and this isn't a critique on any specific person, but just maybe the church as a general, not our church, but global church. Um, we have not historically dealt with lost people's sin well. We just haven't. And so when, when, we're, when we're wanting to know how we should deal with the world's sin, um, we, we have to take some, some cues from Christ. And, and dealing with the sin of the world, it requires more grace and more patience, not less than when we're dealing with, with each other. So how does Jesus deal with, with sinners? Number one, he speaks the truth in love. So yes, Jesus, he, he addresses sin. He has super hard conversations with people, but they always know that it's rooted in love. They, they always know that he, he does it from the, a spot of true and authentic affection. He shows real love to people when he's speaking truth to them. And we ought to make that our aim too. Number two, Jesus was a friend of sinners. So he was, he was well known for his relationship with the lost, right? The, the Pharisees ridiculed him for it. But here's the deal. If, if, you're, gonna, if you're gonna be able to, to speak into a lost person's life, you've gotta have a relationship with them. You just have to. It doesn't work otherwise. And, and a lot of times what we do is we stiff arm the sinner, right? Like we, we push him away. We say, okay, you're broken. Your sin's messed up. You stay over there. And I'm, I'm gonna stay over here. And you're like, this is me and my Christian friends and Christian family. And we're, Okay, like that doesn't work. You've, you've gotta be a friend to them. You've got you've to love them. They, they, they have to have a relationship with you and be part of your world in some way. And yes, we need to be careful with that. I mean, you've got to be careful with who you let around your friends and your family. Um, but you're not going to have an opportunity to speak in someone's life without a relationship with them. So we need to be friends of sinners. Number three, Jesus always told people where true life could be found. Um, man, some of you guys are great friends of sinners. Like you hang out with, with people who, who don't know Christ all the time and you, you really love them and you accept them for who they are, but you never tell them the gospel. Like you, you never get down to telling them where true life can be found. And that's broken too. So like what, what's the point of loving someone if you're just gonna let them remain in sin all the way to hell? Like we got, we've got to love them enough. At some point, we have to be intentional enough to share the good news of the gospel with them. And, and some of us have had friends for 5, 10, 15 years and we've been a good friend to them, but not really because we've never shared the hope of the gospel with them. So we must get down to that. We need to love like Jesus. So as, as we end here today, I, I know um, for me, like these last three weeks, that, man, I, I've been trying to make changes in how I treat others. And I, I think that's something we ought to do together. Um, this passage, what it, what it calls Really, the, the main focus is it calling us to examine ourselves, right? That, that's what Jesus, man, he's saying. Turn your eyes, your gaze away from others and examine your own heart. That's what we're gonna do as, as Bonnie comes to, to sing. We're gonna examine our hearts. And man, let's look for ug- ugly things in us that we need to repent of. Let's be honest about the brokenness that's, that's in ourselves. Don't, don't sit there and say, man, I hope so-and-so is listening. I hope they're gonna, like that's the whole speck in the log thing. Like flip it inward, let's examine our hearts and let's respond. If there's ugly things, man, let's, rep- let's repent. And let's, let's, the, let's embrace the reality of the cross that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And then let's go forward and let's love like he's loved. Let's stand together and sing.